Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now use can't gut. Hey, Herd, what's going on? Kevin Goatee here. You know what that means. It's time for a brand new episode of Gutting the Sacred Cow. This week, the STST boys, they're back. And they do a fantastic job with our artwork. They're back to do Braveheart. And guest hosting, Lynette Palladino. You may remember her from trying to gut Pulp Fiction. Guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com is the address where you can email us to advertise with us or just to say hello. Make sure you leave a five-star rating, two or three sentence review on your podcast platform of choice. And guttingthesacredcow.com Every single day has the merch store. Grab a tank top, grab a beer koozie. I don't care. Without further ado, here are the STST boys doing Braveheart. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. Evidently, Mr. Ringo's an educated man. Now I really hate him. Lynette Palladino, guest host, name that film. No clue. Our <laughs> guests today are the STST fellows, Rob and James. How about you boys? I think that's an easy one. Even former co-host Kevin Israel should have gotten that, but he probably wouldn't. Any guesses? Tombstone. That's a spirit. Tombstone it is. I knew that. I just knew Rob would get it first. <laughs> I was going to do a Daisy reference, but I know if that was too deep. Everybody, welcome back to another titular episode of Gutting the Sacred Cow. Kevin Goatee, co-host Lynette Palladino. You remember her from her, from her uh, attempt to try and take down my second favorite film of all time, Pulp Fiction. And the fans agree with me. Rob and James, you remember them from their attempt of trying to take down Point Break? You guys went down to Chinatown. I couldn't think of anything funny. I'm sorry. But you may know them more importantly as the guys who do our artwork for our shows because James got sick and tired of my shitty Photoshop skills. But... We have. <laughs> sorry, Rob. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at you, and I said, James, Jesus Christ, Rob did. Excuse me. Those fellas have decided to attack a film that pretty much every dude during my college years had a poster on his wall. One of them, at least, and that is 1995's Braveheart, a 95, like I said, budget 72 million. A box office haul of $213 million. That is almost 3x money, Lynette Palladino. You're a numbers nerd. If you thought that was special, try this on for size. Turn that into 2022 money. 
131.7 million dollar budget. 389.6 gross. IMDB, as we all know, is a scale 1 through 10. James and Rob, you get to split a decision here. What do you think IMDB has for the old Braveheart? I'm going to go high. I'm guessing it's a beloved thing. I'm going to say 8.8. Lynette Palladino, what do you think? Uh, I'm also going to go high, but I'm going to go 8.2. Both of you are just circling around that forbidden zone of pleasure, known as the Clitoris. 8.4 is your your number on IMDb. Now, Lynette Palladino, we turn to you. What do you think the critics and the old Rotten Tomatoes, 1 through 100, what did the critics give this film? At the time it came out, right? Uh, No, it is cumulative. So could oh. be it is all time. So, well, I mean, I feel like they're going to be harsh because this was definitely Mel Gibson's um, golden era, and <laughs> then he went off the deep end. So I'm going to go with critics seven point one seventy one. Uh, there is no deep end in a jacuzzi, you silly goose. 71%. That's a callback to a, a bunch of answering machine messages he left. How about you, James and Rob? What do you think the critics scored? I'm going to go I'm going to go 77. One of you is about to get both showcases, and that one of you <laughs> is a team of James and Rob. 76. Okay. 76. And I turn it back to you, fellas. What did the audience give Braveheart? Yeah. Again, that was probably uh, higher. Yeah. That's, I'm going uh, 90. I'm going to go like crazy high. Let's say 90. Lynette Palladino? No, 86. One of you has won both showcases, and that somebody or people is Lynette Palladino. 85% one away. Quotes, two obvious ones. Freedom, exclamation point. And they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Third one, not Ireland, me island. How about you, Lynette Palladino? Did any quotes jump out at you? Irish. Irish. Mm-hmm. How about you, Rob and James? What do you have on the old quote list? For me, the best one is uh, for an Irishman to speak with his equal. He's ha- he has to talk to God. Mm-hmm. Do you say that to the ladies at the bar? <laughs> I mean, I say it to my wife regularly. No, no, no. That's how you use it. Come on, then. That's the girlfriend's night out. It's a Thursday and a Friday night. Saturday's for the wives. Have you not seen Goodfellas? James, any uh, any any uh, quotes that you, uh, sir, that uh, that I popped out? Uh, I mean, the, the other popular one was "Every man dies, not every man truly lives." I saved that one. I thought someone was going to nail that one. I, right. I actually found this movie very quotable. There were so many, like the the pickup lines with Marin. Like he's like, I hope to have, you know, like I, I want to raise my sons, and she's like, Oh, do you have children? And he's like, Thought you could help with that. <laughs> Something tells me that worked at a Jersey Shore bar back in 2010 with Lynette. <laughs> 
literally what I was thinking was like, could somebody try that pickup line today? I was like, methinks not. Methinks. Proper English. Yeah. Yeah. Milady, I would like to know if you'd like to go with me to a few open mics and write afterward. Methinks not. (laughs) Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Braveheart was a nickname given not to William Wallace, but Robert the Bruce. A lot of liberties being taken with this film. Many Scots were offended by this film's portrayal as Robert the Bruce as Wallace's betrayer. He's considered just as much as a national hero as William Wallace is, was, which probably is. Gibson defended the mooning scene, which didn't happen in real life, saying the movie needed comic relief. In 1995, he told the Dallas Observer, if this movie didn't have some funny bits, it'd be fucking unbearable. Agreed. Much like his film, Bird on a Wire, unbearable. (laughs) Deep cut, huh, fellas? Deep cut? Yeah. Thank you. Most of the horses used in the battle scenes were fake, weighing over 200 pounds, and were fueled by nitrogen cylinders that propelled them at 30 miles an hour. After shooting the scenes, Gibson was investigated by an animal welfare organization who were convinced that the fake horses used were real. Feels like a Mythbusters episode needs to do that. Can you make it like how how big can we make this horse explode? <laughs> Fuck all that noise. I would say I would have been lining up those horses, horses I use in quotes, and then gambling on who finishes first at a 50 or 100 yard dash. And coming down the track. That, that's panties a, a bunch. <laughs> it's you smile and fucking blow me in second. And in third <laughs> place, you fucking cunt. <laughs> That's what he said. I'm just repeating it. Mel Gibson accidentally hanged himself for a moment during his death scene, blacked out, and had to be cut down by the crew. Gibson says, I remember waking up with all these people standing over me. Sounds like Jewish people and his ex-wife and hot tub specialist wish that he was cut down a lot slower. (laughs) The worst part is he had to explain to the the crew about the erection. It's cute. Now let's go to everyone's favorite topic by Storm. Ask a gutter. 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 Of course, the herd, as we call you, our fine feathered fink friends, get to ask our guest a question or four. Uh, Rex Crumb, I keep coming back to wanting to ask about Gibson's hair, which must, excuse me, which must have been a Dark Ages mullet, right? Okay, Ken Bjorn Turner. <laughs> I agree. I mean, that hair, even when he's already in like the in the dungeon and he's chained up, it's still quaffed back. Right. And I'm like the the amount of grease in your hair would have weighed it down. Like you'd be bordering on dreadlocks at that point. Did did he just say, "Can you give me the Brian May of Queen, please"? <laughs> Ken Bjorn Turner, I actually liked the movie for the battle scenes. Showed some tactics more than most movies with battles have ever done. 
even if the locations in the movie don't mirror historical locations. What hammer would you fellows prefer? What weapon, excuse me, would you fellows prefer in battle? Sword, axe, flail, mace, hammer. James? um, I'll go flail only because I, I probably won't kill myself with a flail. I weird. I know since flailing. I think you probably said flail because no one ever expected the word flail to be used as a form of weapon in this discussion. That's fair. Rob? I would I would go sword and I would also beg to differ. You would absolutely kill yourself with a flail. I probably would, but at least I'd go out looking right. horrible. <laughs> oh yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. It looked like Michael would Jackson. Be, would not be an open casket, I'll tell you that. Who would kill himself faster? James or Michael J. Fox with a flail? Oh. Mm-hmm. Ouch. 50-50? Xyphos that- <laughs> says that depends if you are cavalry, infantry, or archers. That's what he... He also said it showed a shield wall and semi-pincer move by the Scots. Don't play against him in risk. <laughs> a semi-pincer move by the Scots cavalry, at, not at Storling Bridge. Past that, it would be hard-pressed to name much else. I don't know why. I'm uh, going to disagree in that um, this movie had an incredible amount of psychological operations and military deception. I mean, long shanks just beasted it when he was wait, like, wait, wait, wait. You save that for your argument, Missy. You oh, know the oh, rules of the game. Oh, oh. I, right. just, I, I in know in terms it. of tactics. <laughs> well played. At Bango 2331, on a scale of fantastic to perfect, how good is Mel Gibson's Scottish accent? And on that scale. Mm-hmm. On that scale. On that scale? I mean, he's clearly the uh, the fuh in Fantastic. Oh. It doesn't yeah. sound point. Uh, he's, he's middling. Oh, I'm surprised you guys gave it that high. He's and- better than Nicole Kidman's American. <laughs> well, that's true. Says Keith Urban. At Hopper 2400, uh, to me, Braveheart is a fine movie that overstates its welcome. What's your ideal runtime for a movie? I mean, I, at two hours, just around two hours, I start going, all right. That's that's on me. You two look hours, at, I got to I gotta take a bathroom break. You look at you look at the wristband you got while going into a bar <laughs> on your wrist yes. and use 100%. that as a time to gauge. <laughs> it's always right. it's for it's really more about pacing than anything else because i've there seen, you go you know 90 minute movies that felt like they were a week long and i've seen three and a half hour movies that felt like they breezed by i just don't think the pacing on this movie is the best rob you're a man I, of my own heart i was gonna say the warriors is 90 minutes and that shit slogged i love oh jfk i love jed suck too jfk one of my favorites at over three hours love it i don't i am 100 percent. if it's edited right i don't yeah. care lynette you're about to say i have to agree with you i thought this this movie was like it had a clean point. Like if, if this was the 1950s and they rolled credits and they were like intermission, I'd be like, fuck yeah, let's come back for the second half. Uh, I dug it. Okay. And also I need to throw a caveat in there. All comedy films need not exceed 100 runtime minutes. Are you listening to me, Judd Apatow? Are you listening? Probably not. 
but you need to because two hour plus comedies don't cut it. Thank you. I don't even want to spend two hours in Staten Island, let alone watch it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at Lord Snurts, does lightning from an ass smell like farts? Rob? <laughs> uh, <laughs> can it smell like I'm the, not- the gentle post-rain tarmac? <laughs> It smells like the gentle post-rain tarmac coming out of Jersey City. I wrote, Noted. I'll ask Raiden or the Thunder God from Big Trouble in Little China when we have them on this podcast. I imagine it smells like ozone and burnt onion rings. Exactly. Ozone Lynette, and burrito. Lynette, any, uh, I'm going to take a stab at this one. I don't know. I wonder sometimes when I hear like scripts, I'm like, uh, you're going to clap thunder and shit lightning. I'm like, yeah. rock. Mm. There was another. Um, I bet Stallone, and- ta- I bet Stallone takes a mean dump. That's what I think from that, from that, <laughs> why, why he wrote that. Like he's one of those guys who, who has to take his shirt off while doing it and while gripping both sides of the bowl, kind of bracing himself. <laughs> kind of like Quint when he hooked Jaws for the first time, he strapped himself in, had the footboard there. That's what Stallone does when he drops a power deuce. This episode is becoming like a best of of your previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> we do a yearly recap. You guys know that. Uh, but I like to call back. Uh, what qu- at Brandon Oglesby, he uh, wishes for Kevin Israel to see if this movie is good to knock Scottish and UK actors for playing Americans for years because Kevin Israel had a problem with that. And Kevin Israel wrote and said, anytime an American plays someone from the UK, I love it. Bonus points. If the accents are terrible and embarrassing, see Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> to which I added, see Carrie Fisher in Star Wars, where she loses it after the first act. And see also Shannon Elizabeth playing a Czech foreign exchange student, but also forgetting her accent halfway through when she, when, when Jason Biggs starts dancing naked in front of the computer. And that does it for Ask a Gutter. <laughs> so, Lynette, I want you to welcome me. Well, have me help help me welcome, excuse me, James and Rob to do what they're going to try and hopefully get off on the right foot and get that one win in the in the win column and gut the sacred sacred now. Yep, yep. We only do one and done here. So, fellas, (laughs) take it away. All right. So, it should be prefaced that uh, Rob and I did Renaissance festivals many, many years ago. You don't say. I know. Shocker. (laughs) But this came out very specifically in the heyday of when we were doing that. This movie inspired a thousand clan McFabric lands to show up <laughs> every weekend in, in their tablecloths and whatever they found. Um, so if 2003 made a bunch of people with horrible Keith Richard impressions, pretend to horribly be Johnny Depp, 1997 <laughs> gave us an entire legion of uh, Angus McNoyer knots. Well, this now, is 95. 95. 95? Yes. So um, that said, I did see this <laughs> twice in the theater with friends who had seen it a half a dozen times. But um, the movie itself. So my biggest 
problem is that the movie wants you to know just enough about history to not sweat the details, but also so you have no idea who anybody is. So you have you can go, oh, I, I've heard of Robert the Bruce, um, but you're never going to ask, why is Robert the Bruce's father played by Frank Darabont in Skeletor makeup? <laughs> and nobody's got Wikipedia to prove it. Nobody wants to see why he looks like my scrote. Oh, you just assume. Um, not being a history guy, I can't even speak to any of the, the improprieties there. But can we talk about Mel Gibson's age? Sure. He leaves when he's what, like 10? He, le- he leaves with his uncle after his father dies. He comes back, what, 40 years later? And he marries his preschool crush. Um, I, I think we're supposed to think he's younger. But it's impossible because mm-hmm. he's not. Because immediately he shows up and he recognizes his one friend, uh, the, the kid who we got in the punch buggy fights with. And he tries Hamish. to... Sne- Hamish, yeah. yes. And he tries to sneak off with uh, his girlfriend that the the one girl who showed him some kindness what assumedly is 10 years ago but is actually closer to 40 which leads me to my big question about her if she's in her mid-30s 40s and still living with her parents how come she hasn't been married off yet like i don't know how it worked back then she could have got a couple sheep and an acre i don't know what her family could have put what is her damage that made her unmarriable because hmm. I have to assume the age of marital consent in the 1200s, pretty young. 14. There we go. So she's 35, living at home with her parents. Something's up. Um, maybe, maybe she had a belly button that smelled like haggis and none of the fellows wanted to have a go at it. <laughs> I don't know. Just throwing some ideas out there. Scotland, you would think in Scotland they would want to have a go at it if it yeah. smelled like haggis. Well, counterpoint, James, you win that round, you son uh-huh. of a bitch. <laughs> We're on the board finally. <laughs> um my other major gripe with the movie comes way later. We're jumping a bunch of time here. I'll let Rob handle history. I got nothing. So William Wallace helps the Scots fight the unstoppable English army, takes down a castle. He's a brilliant battle strategist. He's a legend at this point. Everybody knows who he is. But he can hide bodies in ceilings so nobody recognizes they're going to fall and like I'll, I'll give you dramatic timing on when it falls but he hit it up there and also nobody recognizes that he just drove a horse into clan leader's bedroom nobody saw him coming through the hallways through the village just here he is in a horse or he's having the worst or the the clan leaders having the horse stream again. And my last point, and this is more of a question that I'm going to ask the panel here. How did people find each other back then? Within one scene, we have Hamish or Steven. I don't remember which one it is. A lot of people think you're dead. They say to Wallace, but the princess who needs to talk with him is just there. She just shows up. I've lost friends in convenience stores. (laughs) <laughs> how does the king go bring this to wallace and she goes right there he is it's impossible um 
The town crier. That's how they learn about things, right? I. That's how they learn the news. That's not how they know where somebody is. Uh, Wallace is over there. Maybe they put an AP. Maybe they put an APB out on a. They shade them to the side of a sheep, like a milk carton kind of picture. I don't know, but no. Majority of like people lived nearest their noblemen, right? Because that's where all the money is coming from, and that's where you trade your goods and stuff. And there's not that many roads, like. There's also not that many people. It's just a lot of trees, though. There's also not there's also not much to do. So that way, you can find things that pass the time. They do get into that a little bit, right? Like like there are moments where they're hiding in the woods and nobody knows where they are. They bring those two noblemen hooded so that they don't know how to get to where they were. Like there are moments where they're being discreet about it. But but like if you're the king of England, you've got you know scores of men who have nothing but time to go find whoever the fuck they're looking for. Right. It's a reasonable point. I still think it's a little weird that like at the, it was the scene before some people think you're dead, but the princess, she got your address. She's sending you telegrams. You know, the, you know, these women, when when the women are in the heat. I think you underestimate how much women took. (laughs) These women in heat, they're, they're, they're going to get cholera by the time they're 24. They have to act fast. Uh, well, we had a late entry into the Ask a Gutter, so this is an easy one. If I'm not too late, says Taco Shirt Krillin. He wants to know, who would you cast as William Wallace today? Great question. That's how I, I had to interject with this one. Ooh. Now? Right now. I'll go Jeremy Renner throwing a name jeremy renner is five foot four i mean <laughs> i mean we all shit on william wallace mel gibson being five foot ten when william wallace was six and three or four so jeremy renner could play young william wallace at age 10 when he found all the nobles hanging in that shack mm. i i would go somebody like bill skarsgård okay i could see that lynette I was—I mean, my mind immediately went to the cast of Game of Thrones. Just all yeah. of them being one, like Voltron, William Wallace. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> uh, the guy that plays Jon Snow, the uh, Kid Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Never watch one episode. I'll have to trust your your call on that one. Uh, who would? Them. But also, he's he's not a large man. He doesn't like. Yeah, he's teeny. How about yeah. how about John Ham? No, why not? Because John Ham's already too old. Yeah, yeah. So is Mel Gibson. <laughs> no, but John Ham's like, I mean, Maverick just came out. He looked every bit the age of an admiral. All right, fine. Um, Tom Hardy is too short. Uh, fuck. I have no I mean, idea. But, but I mean, but does height really enter into it? Like, if you're an imposing figure, I don't necessarily know that, you know, the fact that you're 5'8 or 5'10 would matter that much, to be honest. Sure it would. We all lost our shit when Tom Cruise was, na- was named as Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher's 6'5", Tom Cruise is 5'8 or whatever. So I think it would play into uh, that. How about that? How about Tom? Uh, how about Loki? I think he'd be good. Maybe a little. Tom with- Holland. Oh, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, yeah Hiddleston. Yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. Tom Holland. Spider-Man. Yeah. There, there you go. go. Well, there you go. What about the Hemsworth brothers? 
Well, I mean, yeah, clearly. Again, collective. One. <laughs> I like. <laughs> Voltron. Mighty Morphin Power Hemsworth. Liam Hemsworth is William Hemsworth is like the Danny DeVito in Twins to Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Liam Hemsworth is like he's like the Wish Chris Hemsworth. Right. He's like my brother Brian, who wishes he was me and doesn't. Look- <laughs> I put that out there. Who listens to this podcast, <laughs> fellas? Um, I'm sorry. James, did you have any more points oh, to make? Um, nope. I was about ready to serve it over to Rob, who I am sure. There we go. <laughs> the fingers crack, and that man is I, on a mission. Do I not let me right. stop you. Let's start with the fact that this movie is the Scottish historical equivalent of a Dan Brown book. <laughs> um, as as Hatton said, it gives you just enough bare historical stuff and names to make it feel like it knows what it's talking about when everything else is wildly incorrect. This movie is 300 years too late for the blue face paint and 600 (laughs) years, 600 years too early for the kilt. There was nothing costuming wise in this movie that made any sort of sense. The British didn't wear matching uniforms. It was clearly just done so that we knew who the quote unquote good guys and bad guys were. But clearly the people who made this movie also felt, well, we can't have a movie based in Scotland without people wearing kilts because then people are going to go, well, how come they're not wearing kilts? Well, because they weren't invented yet, you dumb fuck. Woof. Once we get, once we get past that, the, the, the French uh, maiden in Heat, Sophie Marceau's character, was three years old when William Wallace was alive. So there was no sort of love interest or tension or anything between William Wallace's character and uh, Sophie Marceau's character, uh, Isabella of France. Didn't happen. Uh, Is that going to just box? The fact that they had a fight at, uh, I'm trying to find where the name of it was now. They had a fight at, uh, no, they had a fight at at the bridge. It wasn't Falkirk Bridge. No, Sterling. Um, Sterling. Sterling. Yeah, they have a battle at at Sterling Bridge that didn't have a bridge in the scene. Like, not at all. Mel Gibson said that the bridge got in the way. Yeah, yeah. And the response said, yeah, that's what the English felt as well, because that's why they lost there. Um, Robert the Bruce never betrayed William Wallace. Uh, he like Scotland hates this movie because of the way it portrays Robert the Bruce. Like Robert the Bruce is held in such higher regard than William Wallace is that when they erected that statue of William Wallace with Braveheart on the shield, like Scotland hated it. They wanted to tear it down because it shits all over the legacy that Robert the Bruce, which is the greatest king that Scotland has ever had, all over his entire legacy. Um, Just the fact that this, the timeline of it is all completely wrong. Um, Wallace was no commoner. They try to make him like he's this, you know, this this moisture farmer, this this farmer out in the, the <laughs> moisture the farmer, like Luke Skywalker, really? Scotland, doing that? When when his family was noble, you know, they weren't top tier noble, but they were one step down. Here they try to make it out like, oh, he was just a common person trying to rise up against the English to to give Scotland their freedom. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing that really got me is at the very end, that whole monologue, you know, about, you know, they took the they took the field like the warrior poets that they were and they won their freedom, parentheses, 
eight and a half years and two more wars later. Like, this wasn't the thing that got Scotland independence. They won independence for about six months, and then England said, the fuck, are we crazy? No, we're not going to go there. And Robert the Bruce had to take Scotland back to war again for another eight years before they finally won their independence. So the timeline and the history of this movie are entirely all over the place. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that all? Uh, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, there's minor stuff. Like, his wife's name wasn't Muran. The The popular historical thinking is that her name was Marion. But if they left it as Marion in the movie, people would have gotten it too confused with Robin Hood. And I'm not entirely sure how that would have happened either. But the the biggest thing is just all of the complete historical nonsense going on pardon the term chicanery chicanery i'm a fan of that word big fan and and i do want to i want to uh touch on one of the uh ask a gutter questions that i want to pull up about the uh on a scale of perfect to amazing yeah americans have this infatuation with foreign accents where as long as it sounds interesting and creative to them, it's good. But the real key is being able to do an accent that natives of the country that you're doing the accent from believe that you're from that country. And that is a completely different thing than what Mel Gibson does in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anything that sounds like Scrooge McDuck would have been passable for this? Oh, I, I'm... I'm I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> Do you have a Scottish accent you wish to present to everybody? Is that what you're trying to slow roll to me, James? Oh no, Rob, no. look down that guy. <laughs> Rob, Sorry, I keep other, looking at you. Guy? Why does it my my it highlights it while the other person is talking and go? Wait, what? You're right. I mean, I'm so yes. James already reason. brought up that we did that we did work at a Renaissance festival back in the day, and I did play a Scottish character back in that festival. And after one of my shows, I had these two lovely ladies come up to me and they said, "All right, Brennan, we just showed your show before. We thought it was Bonnie." I said, "Oh, well, thank you very much, lasses." They said, "How long have you been here?" I said, "Oh, I've been to this festival for about five years now." No, how long have you been in the States, lad? You've still got your accent. They lived in Scotland, and they were visiting family here, and they pulled me aside and thought I was legit from Scotland. What Mel Gibson does in that movie is not from Scotland. I see what you did here, Rob. You're using the accent to, you know, to slam some box. Look at you, you coxman. You. I love it. <laughs> Lynette is a woman. You can attest that that Scottish accent must drop those knickers right down to the ground, correct? <laughs> what is the accent that gets you all randy uh you know, i i am a big fan of the the british accent a proper british accent not any of that cockney shit um sticky to give me bummy dizzy do we do we do i'm a i'm a much bigger fan of grammar yes in which some a lot of the english that Cockney type don't really have. It's funny. Um, the Australian. I agree. The English one is nice. I also appreciate a French accent, except the people suck. That's a problem, though. The trade-off. Um, I want to say the Holland has an interesting one. Czech too, but 
you know what? Keep that Australian accent away from me, you <laughs> you Yahoo serious fans. Not, no, thank you. That's uh, see another deep cut, guys. Esoteric references for free on this podcast. I'm going to go out on a limb and bet that yeah, that uh, Yahoo serious never a movie you're going to see on this podcast. No, Young Einstein does not qualify. Fellas, give me a score from each of you of your thoughts on this film. You know the drill. I mean, I will admit that when it came out, it was entertaining and fun, but it doesn't age well at all. And all the historical accuracy, if we're going like like a college grade score, I'm going to give it like like a C. No, you're going to give a one through you motherfuckers. You listen to this podcast all the time. You know how we do this. One through ten. What is your score? I'm going to give it a four and a half. Four and a half. How about you, James? Four and a half is actually, I was going to go a little higher than that. Because I, I, I think there's there's merit in the story. But the more you pay attention to it, the less it makes sense. Um, I'll go, I'll go five and a half. But you say you don't like how it's aged. Guys, the historical references that were done in the film haven't changed from 1995 to 2022. So, what our knowledge has. The books were the same. Nothing changed. You could have read a book in, in 1995 saying Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. That hasn't changed in 2022. Ha! Rhymed. Uh, so the, the historical inaccuracies were there from jump. Sure. So we how is dumber? How is it not aged yeah, properly? That's the point. The point is that we were dumber then. That we I mean, didn't we were know in Renaissance Fest. This- Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90 percent lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or Seven Up. All with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We didn't know all about all the historical inaccuracies at the time. You would think you jousters are tip-top in this this field. I guess not. (sighs) Two... Too much, too much carny food rots the brain, huh, Lynette? That's what I've learned. Lynette Palatino might go. I couldn't think. Of, what with a turkey on a leg? Would that have been su- suffice yeah. to say? Very good. Cotton candy. I've not been to one, and trust me, I don't. Okay, Lynette Palladino, my co-host today, uh, also a noted historian buff. Why don't you go next and give your notes? I, I uh, history has died. I just saw Maverick in the movie theater. And what I loved about watching this movie was the lack of CGI, like just for the cinematography. And granted, I'll give you Mel Gibson has a lot of those um, Christ the Savior moments. Like there's a lot of shots of him on top of a mountain or a cliff and you're either panning around him, but they're beautiful. And the score is fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. Like the beginning of the movie, it's like, it's like a, you know, Pavlov's dogs. You have a reaction to the music alone and you haven't seen anything happen. But yeah, in the first five minutes, they've laid the groundwork. They've, they've told you everything that's going to happen. This guy's out for, for blood. He's fallen in love already. It's, it's, 
you've got your hero story right there and it's well done. Like I, I, I loved the cinematography. The, I loved the moments where there was comedic relief. I, you know, uh, did you wash your ass today? Cause you're about to, you know, get a king kissed by a king. I'm like, Oh, what a great line. That's a fucking great line. And the, the joke about the Irish. Great. I, I loved the, the comedic relief that was in there. I thought that was a nice touch. I thought the women in this movie were spectacular. The yes. acting from all of the women was very good. They weren't scene stealers. They went in, they said their lines, they did their fucking job. You got the emotions from them and they they were done. That's it. Like that final scene when she's telling Longshanks like, by the way, motherfucker, I'm knocked up, and it ain't your son's. Like, obviously, it's not your son's, but, <laughs> like, oh, it was just so vicious. With like, It was absolutely savage. That, that scene was fantastic, and she was perfect. She perfectly cast all of the women, including her little, her uh, uh, attendant, whatever they call them. She was great, too. Um, I loved the women in this movie, which, unlike... The last movie I watched for this podcast, <laughs> they, these women were great. <laughs> I thought if I had to have a complaint about this movie, I disliked the actor that played Robert the Bruce. I thought he overacted way too often. And now, given that it's Mel Gibson directing this, and we all know where his... I guess, religious sympathies lie, if you will. I don't know if that was a director's choice or an actor's choice. Either way, I hated his acting. I was like, bro, relax. Um, I could have done with a few less savior moments of, you know, when when uh, William Wallace is getting executed, of course, it's from a it's in the shape of a cross when he's being racked. It's, it's taking again, the shape of a cross when he's uh, there's just so many scenes where like, there's like this, this savior element to it, but it doesn't take enough away from the movie for me to go. I wouldn't watch that. And now I have not watched this movie in about, I would say six years. And so not having seen it in a while, I was still a little hoodwinked by some of the plots. And I thought like, oh, this is great. It's not a movie I need to watch annually, but every couple of years, I'm like, oh, this is where he gets betrayed or this is where this happens. And I think the movie, although long, it's perfectly watchable. Like I don't, I find it, like there's a nice little climax and then you get your second climax later. Who doesn't oh. like that? I was just going to say second climax. <laughs> just give it a few minutes. It'll come back. Don't worry. <laughs> I I do. I liked, I loved the, the betrayal battle scene. Um, and you're like, ah, oh, shit. And that, that actual moment where uh, William Wallace's, um, realizes he's been betrayed by Robert the Bruce, which I get may not have been historically accurate, but that scene was well done, well choreographed, well acted. I was stunned again, even though I haven't seen this movie in a few years, 
Um, if I can imagine having seen that for the first time in the movie theater, you would have been like, son of a bitch. <laughs> it would have been, it would have been mind blowing. Um, but I really like, I enjoyed this movie thoroughly, especially just from the technology perspective. I cannot hammer that enough. There were some scenes that were a little hokey, like in the woods and the twilight, with, like especially the romantic scenes. But even that, I enjoyed. Like I felt like those were done tastefully. Like, like it was just done from a, I don't know, like it didn't have to be lewd or lusty. Like you got it. Like they were like, we're gonna bone. Uh, it was good, or they boned. It was it was good. Uh, some things were a little too sentimental, like the the napkin. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like to maybe Rob's point, I don't think they had those kind of like like this little common bitch probably didn't have these fine linens that she could have been embroidering. Like I don't know, like I don't know what was going on in 1300 Scotland, whether she had access to that kind of material, but like that it always sort of seemed to make its way back to Wallace that I was like, relax, let's, let's chill. Um, (laughs) But now as far as the plot, like the long shanks, um, the, the military deception as, as someone who's been in the army for a long time, I mean, he just crushes it. Like the scene where he reveals that he's got the French coming up, the English coming up, the Irish conscripts coming in, like, and I dispatched them weeks ago. Like that was on point as far as military deception goes. As and as for buying out all of the nobles at every interval, and then the dad double crosses Robert Bruce, Robert the Bruce, like those those are real things. Like we do those in war now. Like that's not. Like I can't imagine they didn't do it back then too. Like we're we're not reinventing the war wheel. Like uh, everything is learned again and again. Um, but I loved, I loved, I loved it. I enjoyed it. And give me, oh, give me number one to ten. I, I mean, solid. Yeah, I'm gonna go eight point five. Eight point five. Wow. Okay. Well, these notes, of course, are brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com. And of course, go <laughs> head over there and go check out our sweet merch store. Hats, bags, t-shirts, tank tops, cell phone holders. Yeah, we got everything. You used to have N95. I, yes, you I'll may. also add, I watched part of this movie while I was working out today, and the time flew by. Oh, you're the second person to be in this podcast. They watch a film while working out. The first person who was watching that film while working out watched the wrong movie. So, (laughs) you guys remember Uh, that episode? Yeah. So, eight and a half out of ten, five and a half out of ten, four and a half out of ten, and of course, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com if you wish to advertise with us or just to say hi. Mm. Notes. The Scottish accent translation is a part-time job I want no part of ever. This accent is as grating as a Philly, Deep South, or Boston accent. Between this film and train spotting, I've said what to my TV about 785 combined times. The Scots dress like everyone attending a Golden Corral buffet. 
The hairstyle on the Scottish guys looked like they were cut with rusty spoons. How did none of you guys pick up that Mel Gibson's uncle is Logan Roy from Succession? Come on. When did you think? I was waiting to go, oh, when is he going to call William a petulant little fuck already? Come on, say it. You know it's in you. And now a PSA. Remember, kids, before you find the royal family interesting and give two shits about what horrible names they give their kids, please recall that same royal family was built on incest and is by far and away the leader in the clubhouse for slavery and manifest destiny. Conclusion, why give a fuck about a powerless group who are nothing but figureheads and continue to tax their citizens with absolutely no services provided in return? Thank you. I hate people who care about the royal family, especially Americans. It's dumb. It's a waste of time. If dancing in a circle while listening to the flute and the lyre, I would have begged for cholera or scarlet fever by the time I was seven. Throwing rocks at each other, the original fraternity hazing. <laughs> if there's not a punk band with the name Prima Nocta, that's a missed opportunity. <laughs> also, a band named Asparagus Piss would at least get me to download three of their songs. See, religious fanatics, we all could have beaten Prima Nocta by engaging in premarital sex. Ha! Gotcha. When Gibson and his bride consummated the marriage, I was waiting for Mel Gibson to tell her to smile and (laughs) blow me. I will say that scene must have been brutal to film. Like, that their breath is just, like, it was fucking cold. Garlicky and, oh. (laughs) Did they have scope back in Scotland back in the 1200s? Probably not. I'm pretty sure you can't throw a broadsword that far and get enough oomph into it to throw into somebody's chest. Or how about the old man who got shot with an arrow and then mustered enough strength to throw a spear? Because that doesn't happen. This has a Robin, he- Robin Hood appeal to it. Did any of the other folks get that vibe? I did. I did from the the dress of the women. And the merry men camaraderie is more what I was basing yeah. mine on. Little John. Yeah. Oh, nice. yeah. Brendan. Uh, uh, Brendan. God, Gleason. I forgot his last name. Glee. Thank you. Brendan Gleason. The soldier who got his leg hacked off by William Wallace. I guess he's one of the knights who say knee. Knee. I can smell their body odor through my television every scene <laughs> that they're in. How about you? Seeing that English army roll in, if I was on the Scottish side, I'd make that same face Jeff Daniels did in Speed right before he was blown up in Dennis Hopper's house. The oh fuck. I think if I were a soldier fighting for Wallace, I would need a better motivation speech than what he gave me. If you cue up that Al Pacino any given Sunday speech, I am running through a goddamn wall. Lynette, add this to the record. I'm all for shooting arrows at people who play bagpipe music. And all of you, stop pretending you really enjoy bagpipes on St. Patrick's Day. It's truly grating music, much like DJ Skrillex and reggaeton music. Stop it. Reggaeton. (laughs) Hour and a half, and this movie's flying by. Tight editing. I agree with you, Lynette Palladino. Editing is solid. The battlefield scenes are fantastic and badass. This is as gory as the Mel Gibson's The Patriot, if you saw that. And I'm all about that. 
especially where that guy got his leg blown off by the cannonball rolling along the ground at 55 miles an hour. That always gets a smile out of me. How did none of you guys talk about this? I love the relationship between Longshanks and his gay son. What a great oh, component yeah. of that story. That is some solid writing. The tension is palpable. And when he throws his gay lover off the, out of the window, I fucking LOL. And I forgot who asked that. Yeah, I did. I thought that was hilarious. He tossed him right out. And what do you think? And that little cheeky fucking voice that he went to punch him in the face. And then he takes him and throws him out of the window. That was great. I, I always said he called him gentle. Yeah, in the in the cheekiest of British fashions. He also he might as just he was just short stopping of calling him a poof. <laughs> I really agree with you, Lynette Palladino. I loved how seeing how the battles were prepped as all well as the negotiations and and uh, the double uh, timing of these people. I loved all that backstabbing. That was that was something besides just straight battle scenes. I'm like, you know what? I'm glad they added this. This added another layer. If you couldn't see the betrayal from the Bruce coming, try Dr. Seuss books for easier foreshadowing techniques. Can we address he's the only one on the field wearing a full helmet? Right. And he's kind of, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll get the nobles on my side. Gee, where is this going? By the way, people, if you didn't see that six cents twist coming either, shame on you. That was as telegraphed. Wait, Robert the Bruce can see dead people? Yes. And also, oh, never mind. Too easy of a joke. Uh, the Bruce's father, the Bruce's father, looks like he fell asleep at a Vegas pool for 12 hours with no sunscreen. I'm pretty sure a horse is not willing to jump out of an open window and into a lake or pond. <laughs> you know, I'm no, uh, I'm no equestrian, but I'm pretty sure that that's how that uh, adds up in the math column. When they showed Wallace climbing to the top of the mountain, I was waiting for him to yell, Drago! Drago! <laughs> Sophie Marceau. This film, she did, a shitty Bond film, one would say one of the five worst Bond films, and a shitty David Spade film. She's French, but apparently has not learned to say the word no in English yet. So many savior moments. I wrote this down right here, Lena Palladino, in this film that the My Pillow guy must see this as porn. <laughs> William Wallace being tortured is how I feel when I get into, white, get into bed and my wife is watching old Sex in the City episodes. Nothing worse. I saw this in the theater. I liked it. I owned it. Haven't watched this in years. Yes, historical inaccuracies are, are afoot. plenty. No, the Scots did not wear a blue war paint. It won Best Picture. Did you know that, guys? Did you know that? And girls, did you know that? But you talk about you talk about winning first place in a shitty division. Would you like to hear what films were nominated? Oh, please, would love that. Sense and Sensibility. Who gives a shit? Il Postino. Double down on who gives a shit? Babe. Thrice. Who gives a shit? Um, I'm sorry. Babe is in like the, the pig, movie? as in the pig. Yes. The pig, yeah. yeah. And Apollo 13, which is good. Is it Best Picture good? I don't think so. Compared to so, Braveheart? I don't know about that. Stop it with that, with these Hollywood nominations. I was a, this was an awful, awful, awful year for films. This this is like Shaq dunking on Muggsy Bogues. This <laughs> this film still slaps. I enjoy the story. I enjoy the action. I enjoyed everything. But those the historical inaccuracies to which I plead ignorance, I did not know until doing research how it was 
amuck with his inaccuracies. I knew a few things, but I did not know to the extent of which this was. I guarantee you this, if Mike Price, who has been on the podcast before, he's Mr. I hate movies that are not historically accurate. He did JFK. He did Argo. He would have definitely jumped aboard this hate train with you boys. I enjoyed everything in this film for the most part, except for the last two minutes where Mel Gibson does the VO. And that's how Scotland got its freedom. The end. (laughs) Credits. Fiend. The battle scenes are fantastic. Fantastic. They are. They're so good. Great. And I don't like gory movies. Like, I don't like bloody gory movies, but this was so well done. This is a how-to in the playbook for how to choreograph great fight scenes. So take note, future directors. This film moved very well for an almost three-hour film for me. And that's key, as you, all of you know who listen to this very podcast. You love, and none of you guys talked about this too, I love William Wallace's secondary characters. The Irishman is a goddamn hoot. This film is perfect for a long plane ride. I don't think it passes the remote test, though. You have to be in from jump to fully appreciate everything, how it's being set up. Unless it's one of the battle scenes, then you'll, then you'll suck me in. This film's solid. I like it. It's, uh, again, I understand inaccuracies. It's not, I'm not as vested with this as I am with some other historical films where I'm like, no, this is an eight out of 10 for me. I still think this is a, this is a solid film. It's very solid. And now let's hear those people who wish they were teaching at community colleges and have access to a Rotten Tomatoes account. Critics, five star reviews. Five-star reviews. Five-star reviews by critics. Braveheart is beautifully shot, well-acted, and offers an interesting but an untruthful story about what many believe to be a great Scotsman. Fair. Bullying Brits are given notice that the towering rage of an alpha-dominant Scottish leader in command of a shocking array of guerrilla warfare tactics has been unleashed on them like a full-blown modern-day special operations warrior. Let freedom ring! (laughs) Alliteration! Yay! Clichés mashed together in a run-on sentence. Boo! Despite some obvious excesses and a few notable flaws, Gibson's Braveheart is a brawny, heart-pulsing, and intelligent work that bears worthy comparison to such big battle-screen battle cries of visionary warriors such as El Cid, Spartacus, and Dances with Wolves. Does anyone really remember Dances with Wolves for anything except for A, Avatar ripped it off, and B, this is why the Academy should never be taken seriously? Do you remember what film lost to Dances with Wolves for Best Picture? It's going to be bad, isn't it? What year? Oh, it's going to be a goddamn egregious fuck you to the American people. 1990, to answer your question. 1990. Don't you cheat, Rob. I see you on the computer. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'm just curious. I'm going to tell you. I wrote tell you 1990, the yeah. answer, Goodfellas. Oh, Goodfellas. <gasps> yeah. If that doesn't anger you, well... These historical inaccuracies shouldn't anger you near as much. Next one. Braveheart is a big strapping medieval sword and arrow movie with more fighting than romance, a surprising abundance of lush and sensuous imagery considered its brutal strife 
and Gibson fiercely inciting it to stand up and march. All right. Critics, one-star reviews. Critics, one-star reviews. Critics, one-star reviews. <laughs> the ideological project of Braveheart is to valorize both Wallace and Bruce and the Bruce as Scottish national heroes. This is done in the crudest possible way. I don't agree with that. The second half. Mel Gibson acts, directs, and produces this 173-minute ordeal. He does everything. <laughs> he does everything but edit the film, which is needed most. If you guys didn't see that joke coming, I'll help you gladly order a guide dog. It's sad that Paramount Pictures, which has so many gay employees, has stooped to release such a flawed work of bigotry and force them to stand behind it. Auga, auga, blow hard on a soapbox with no context alert. Major Palladino, turn this tank of righteousness around and unload every piece of artillery at this douchebag who harasses waitstaff with questions like farm raised or wild caught. <laughs> Gibson has extended his hair, but not his directorial range. Next, I, next up on the open mic comic list, funny, unfunnish, funny, I'm sorry, unfunny English major from Emerson College. So uninspiring is his message that my girlfriend channeled it in the warning I received prior to my reviewing the film. You'd better love it or I'll disembowel you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Amazon five-star reviews. Amazon, 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 five-star reviews. Amazon, five-star reviews come for you. Just rewatched this today. <laughs> After over a year of the worst lies and tyranny from the worldwide overlords in, in history, the technocrats think they own us, and we are supposed to bow down. To, we are supposed to he bow. said on Amazon. Yes. Oh, I'm not done. We are supposed to bow down with their with their boots in our faces. Our children and grandchildren are supposed to be slaves to the elitist liars who think they have every right to do with us as they will. Sound familiar? The part at 47 minutes when Wallace rides into the English stockade to fight alone, then, f then the rest of the villagers join in. That is where humanity is right now. If we all don't unite to fight these tyrants, humanity is doomed to slavery. This movie is a clarion call to free people everywhere in the world. Unite or die. Is Sign that a review or a manifesto? Like, Sign little Sign coming. Signed Ilhan Omar. <laughs> oh God. Only time I said only time I saw my dad cry. Maybe because when this guy jumped into his lap, you sat in his balls by accident. Did you consider that? I almost got a spit take out of Lynette. Purchase this cry. Because the dad cried. I don't know. <laughs> Purchase this movie in 4K UHD. Amazing to watch on a 65-inch TV with a soundbar. Great movie. Hey, could I be as douchey if I give my W-2 after the five fun facts section as people are who boast about their audiovisual setup? Next one. It's all in caps, so... I like to watch Greg movies! <laughs> It's Gibson. The only thing he did that wasn't good was The Fugitive. 
Not Gibson. <laughs> well, guys, if, if if he if he didn't like the fugitive, wait till he watches Indiana Jones. Then <laughs> Amazon one star reviews. 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 Amazon is the most un-American company in history. You suck. Sure, they're American. Jeff Bezos is going to space with your rental fees, silly goose. <laughs> not not so crazy for it. Too much violence. But love, love Mel Gibson. Signed, Henry Ford. <laughs> Infidelity, blood are not my things. Watched it because my husband wanted to. Well, just wait until it's his birthday and he's looking for butt sex while watching Braveheart next year, ma'am. Infidelity? What the frick is she talking about? Just because Maid Marian, who's never been porked, like... <laughs> port? Is this an 80s teen comedy port? I don't know. Like, there's no way... I mean, gentle... and her husband was already cheating on her with, you know... Yeah. Yeah, he was boinking that dude, Lynette. I, I agree. So what is her what is her beef? Do you not like there's they never consummated the marriage. Could you even qualify it as cheating? Yeah. As a note, that is one of the best slams ever is your wife is whispering into your dying father's ear, I'm going to have a child and it won't bear your seed. It sounds like Mel Gibson. Dis- it sounds like Mel Gibson discovered cuckolding porn. Mm. Discovered? <laughs> I mean, and again, it's it, sure it's a great line for the movie, but it's oh, not yeah. anything that happened. No, no, we're not. King Wallace did not arrive. Maybe I would be would be more interested in the story of a man so haunted by his wife's murder that he leads his country to war if the protagonist wasn't smirking and looking quite carefree throughout the entire film. Maybe if I would think he'd be more heroic if the movie didn't show him inside on horseback killing an old man who was in his bed from the perspective of the old man. It showed Randall Wallace. The director, by the way, is Randall Wallace, the hero Killing a bedridden, I guess it was it, maybe. I don't know, I have to look that up. Killing a bedridden geezer from the old man's viewpoint. I'm serious. Am I the only one who had trouble rooting for the elderly man crushing hero, telling a few lame jokes to his mates before lightheartedly rushing out to violently kill dozens of people? The movie can't decide whether it's a lighthearted comedy or gripping drama. If you like the movie, don't be offended. I just can't relate to it, I guess. Mostly because of Mel Gibson's Christ-like killer slash hero. He just doesn't seem all that brave to me. Just really fake. The movie starts off with a room full of hanged people. Literally. Lighthearted comedy. <laughs> I mean... All, the, so- all those people who were hanged in that room were the continuity editors. Wow. <laughs> you wait this long to drop a, a joke, James. <laughs> Rob. Kev, Rob. That, 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 was, that was a joke. <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking with my guns here. Wouldn't I, <laughs> wouldn't I dignify watching any movie with Mel Gibson, a crazed bigot, signed Danny Glover? <laughs> and that does it for the Amazon one-star reviews. Lynette Palladino, did the folks at the STST podcast gut the sacred cow? 
I'm going to go with no. Oh, do tell why. I just like, I don't know how many film buffs are also historians, right? Like if you're just there to be entertained and by your own admission, you saw it several times in the movie theater. And I like to view things both in time and how they age for me still very watchable and enjoyable and i really can't stress enough how enjoyable it was to watch a movie without cgi that was you know action adjacent uh you fellas obviously i'm sure you've worn some stuff while doing your renaissance fairs correct yep absolutely oh yeah definitely any uh weapons mishandling of uh, to get you injured uh, so I, I do have a scar on this side of my nose where we were too close in a fight scene. It was 98 degrees out and 90% humidity. And I was wearing 85 pounds of stainless steel armor as was my, uh, my combatant, my, my co-star. And he's supposed to punch me in the face. And we were about three inches too close to each other. And he blasted me right in the side of the face. He had steel uh, stainless steel forearm greaves. And when they get to the wrist, they roll them up. So you have flexibility in the mm-hmm. wrist. So as his fist punched me in the face, the rolled part caught my nostril and almost tore my nostril completely open. Um, the- that was the, that was the worst one. Follow up question. Since you're obviously sticklers for historical, so historical inaccuracies, when you saw a cable guy and they were fighting medieval times, did you have a problem with that part as well? I mean, medieval times is medieval times. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no, uh, there's barely any accuracy in that altogether. <laughs> no, just seeing Garofalo. She has the anarchy. T- anyway, the beer wench. Ha ha ha. Repeat joke. There was no part. silverware at medi- in medieval times. There is no silverware at medieval times. Would you like Coke or Pepsi? Oh, you guys have that memorized. That's hilarious. Uh, guys, listen. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you once again for joining us. Shout us, shout out what you're up to, where we can find you, all the good stuff. Rob, take this uh, one. So as of the recording of this episode on July 5th, we are in our ninth year celebration of our podcast. Congratulations. You can find over at somethingcast.com. Thank you very much. Uh, it doesn't feel a day longer than 15 years. <laughs> um, you can find us over at somethingcast.com. It is the repository for all things something. You can find all of our buttons and widgets and doodads for our social media contacts, uh, all of our backlog of episodes, our blog posts, our store. Um, everything is over at somethingcast.com. Excellent. At I would say James, want to fire something in there? I was just going to say, oh. or at STSTCast for the Twitter, where uh, you'll find the most interactive of the conversations. And again, Rob, thank you for doing all the artwork for our, for our podcast. You, James. <laughs> I thought it'd be serious when thanking him for this part. So <laughs> I've been calling you Kevin Israel all night. You didn't even notice it. Just use your first name. <laughs> He's not even here. Thank uh, you look, for doing all the artwork. From- I much appreciate that. It's, it, Wait, do it he so- is here. Oh. Oh, the gun show coming out. Come on. The only thing missing is a Star of David necklace dangling from your neck. Uh, I can Wrong. try to turn it. I mean, that's cute. Thank you so much for doing the artwork tirelessly without, you know, it's, it's so kind of you. And it's so good seeing you guys at the live show. I want to thank you. 
for doing oh, all no, absolutely. that. You, you guys, guys are awesome. You guys, you guys are fantastic. And every opportunity, like we've been racking our brains for months. Like we got to get back on their show. We got to try to find, and you can look at your Twitter DMs. I keep I sending you lists of movies all the time, all the time trying to get back on. So thank you for letting us come back on again. Of course. Um, of course, o- you know. Open invite, open invite. It's a, it's okay that you know that that you and her were wrong, but that's fine. That's you know we're still we're still friends. It's all good. I'm sure we'll find something else a couple months from now to come back on again. But um, yeah, you guys are fantastic. So thank you so much for having us back on. Much appreciated, Lynette Palladino, my apparel lunch friend. What are you up to? What can we find you? You can find everything on LynettePalladino.com. Uh, it's a pretty light summer, the way summer should be. Um, unfortunately, I got to go back down. Well, not unfortunately. For better or worse, I got to spend the last week of July, first week of August in Fort Dix, New Jersey. Ugh. Yeah, I know, to go do more army stuff. Um, but otherwise, I'm, I'm around. I'm in Westchester, I'm in Connecticut, I'm in New Jersey, I'm in New York. Uh, come see a show. Uh, I do lots of them. I'd be happy to see you. To quote the great Beavis and Butthead, Fort Dix, is that near Fort Nuts? <sighs> okay. <laughs> Kevin Goatee, greatest, one of the greatest shows ever. KevinGoatee.com for all shenanigans. Gutting the Sacred Cow, if you have not yet written a five-star review, what in God's name is wrong with you? Please do so on your podcast platform of choice. And again, thank you all for giving us an hour and change of your time every week. We make this the best damn movie podcast out there. There's no one better out there than we are. Stop it. Stop it. We are, no one's doing what we're doing. We're having fun doing it too, as you can hear. And again, thank you so much for hanging out with us. And we'll see you next time, folks. Take care. Aloha. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.